Welcome back, everybody, to So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church. Woo. I'm Bethany Pedigo, and I'm, I'm here with my friend, Ro- <laughs> I'm here with my friend, Ron. Hey! I have to shout out a very happy birthday to you today, Ron. Oh, Today's your you. birthday. Woohoo! Yeah. I'm so old. All right, I have a quiz for you on your birthday. Okay, I'm ready. All right. These are whose team are you questions? Which team? Are you team UK or U of L? Be honest. Okay, hashtag BBN, go big blue all the way. I'm I'm neither, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about team vanilla ice cream or chocolate? Shockingly, vanilla. Especially if it's on chocolate cake or with a chocolate chip cookie or on a brownie. But yeah, <laughs> vanilla all the way. I, I'm also neither, by the way, mm-hmm. unless it has peanut butter attached. Your office. All right. Thirdly, are you team Luke or Han Solo? You know, that's an interesting one. I, I guess I'm team Luke because, I, well, but I'm going to be Han Solo because he gets the girl. And we don't know Princess Leah and Luke, our brother and sister, early on. And so we're kind of hoping that they get together. And then when we discover the brother and sister, we're really glad that Han Solo gets the girl. So still, I think i got to be Team Luke. I I just love the lightsaber fight scenes with him and Darth Vader and the way he has to go discover who he is and all that. So I'm a a fan. Because of his character arc. I see. I see where you're going with that. I'm a Han Solo person Mm. myself. Because he's just handsome. <laughs> support. Yeah. And dashing. Yep. So today's episode is called whose team is it anyway? This is not just a pointless conversation about ice cream <laughs> and Star Wars. And birthdays. And- yeah. Uh, but I, I think it's, uh, it's really interesting. I, I asked, I've, it's been a while since we talked about this, but when, before we started the podcast, I sat down with some folks who had said to me, you know, they'd come from other churches or other not necessarily in our town, but in other towns. And they'd served in the worship ministry or in the choir or whatever. And they were saying things to me like, I love that you do this, which makes me think, oh, that means other people don't do this. Because I just do things the way they, that I do them. I don't really know the way other people do things. Sure. Um, and so I asked them if they would sit down with me and just like identify some things that were um, – helpful about the way that I lead that are different from what they were used to. And, and this is one of them. They, they came to me and said, um, I don't feel like this is your team. I feel like this is the church's team. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you own it. It doesn't feel, and, and they didn't mean that like I didn't feel responsible. They meant it like I didn't, um, gosh, I don't even know the negative side of that. Um, I guess the best way for me to, to think of it is I'm on the church's team too. Right. It's not on my team. We're all on the team together. It's not my team. It's, it's Woodburn Baptist Church's team. It's God's team at Woodburn Baptist Church. And so I, I feel responsible for my team or our team. And I, I feel responsible to our team, but I don't feel like they're responsible to me. I feel like they're responsible to the church. Um, I think that's an important distinction because if it's your team, like, whether you wanted to or not, right? Consciously or unconsciously, the end result you would hope would make you look better if it's your team, right? 
Yes. And as an Enneagram three, it's important to me to look good. So we're all about image. And I do want my team to make me look good. That's fallen and broken and sinful. I don't mean that that's like something you should aim for, but that is a place that in my psyche, I have to guard against. And, and in fact, I, um, my very first church job, I was full-time at a seminary. Was called, it was Carl Road Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I shared this story at the first relay conference a couple years ago. Um, I walked into a meeting with the personnel committee. They called it the staff relations committee in the spring of 1995 and was basically just asked for my resignation. Like they wanted me to stay three more months and then I was gone. Um, and the reason was primarily, I think, because I was so out for myself that I was not out for other people unless they could do something to make me look better. And so I, the church was very generous in the way that they walked through that separation. There were things I don't think they did well. And I hope that I'm never a part of a church staff that has to go through that so that I can help that church do it better. Um, but I, one of the things I would like, one of the things I would give them credit for or props for is they sent Jackie and me both, my wife and I to counseling mm. and they paid for it. They said, we want to help. We want to make sure that you're healthy. We want to make sure that we take care of you. And so I met with a counselor, Dr. Emilio Amigo in Columbus, Ohio, amazing, amazing therapist. I loved um, the way that he walked with, through this with me. And he had me do a couple of instruments when we first started out, um, like the MCMI, which is a, like this massive psychological um, typology test. And one of the things that he identified was that I had narcissistic tendencies. So then I had to go figure out who narcissist was and why I had those tendencies. And basically what that translated into is I wanted to make sure that the people around me helped me. And if they were going to help me, I would value them. And if they didn't help me, I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. And that's probably an overstatement because I did have tendencies in that direction. I wasn't a, a full blown narcissist, but what that translated into in, in terms of my leadership was um, I needed to learn how to value people because of who they are, not because of what they can do for me. I needed to value people because of the fact that they were valuable, not because they were valuable to me. And that kind of set me on a quest that started, you know, 25 years ago that has led to the place where now I, I do that more often than not. It's still not perfect. Um, there are times when I feel like I can't believe that person let me down when they didn't really let me down. They, they may have let the church down. They may have let God down, but they didn't let me down. It's not me. It's God's team. It's the church's team. And so I don't, I don't always get it right. Um, but I've, there's so many things about the way this is shaped. Uh, we're going to get to some specifics in just a second, but one more general comment. I've, I've made it a goal of mine. Like it's literally on my goal sheet for the last three years and will be again next year. I want to help think about how to help everybody else's dream come true. So mm -hmm. for the, for my primary piano player right now, her name is Brittany. I, I met with her yesterday to talk about Christmas music. And I just said, Brittany, is there anything you're not doing right now that you would like to be doing? Is there anything, is there any way that I can help you fulfill your dream in our ministry? Not, Hey, how can you help me get this done? But how am I going to help you get done the thing that you want, that you feel called to? Um, we had college students leading uh, last night with me on the vocal team. And it was so fun. I had so much energy. I felt so tired. I felt so 55. <laughs> um, they were wonderful, but uh, I, I just, I loved watching their dreams come true with the way that they were getting to lead worship. And, and mm -hmm. so I'm not just trying to put a team together for WKU day 
at, at our church. I'm trying to help college students fulfill their dreams. That's kind of the anti-narcissism. It's mm-hmm. kind of the way for me to think this is not my team. This is the team of people that I'm called to love and serve and help their dreams come true. So I, I asked these same people, how do I do this? And um, I was kind of surprised by the simplicity of what they said, but maybe it's so simple because it's been beat into me because of the pain of that first church departure and the way all that played out. Um, but, but for example, the first one is just like, really? That's a big deal. But I call people by name. Like I use their name in conversation. Um, I do it often. I, I, I love this. This is so fun. When people walk into the room for a rehearsal or, you know, sound check or whatever, I will announce their arrival. I'll say, Bethany, I'm so glad you're here. And of course I do that for everybody. I do it differently for everybody. And I do it differently. Week <laughs> week for people. Warren Weeks is our administrative pastor. Our, our, he, he keeps the church running. He's our discipleship guy at church. He walked in last night and I said, ladies and gentlemen, Warren Weeks. You know, I mean, I just, <laughs> but it's fun and it helps other people feel celebrated. And so I just call them by name. And, and I guess that, is not normal. I don't know, but it's a way that I value people or I help people feel the value that they already have. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's very sad to say, but calling people by their name is something that um, sometimes people don't do that often. And, but you can tell when somebody does it because it makes you feel valued. It makes you feel seen and heard and affirmed when somebody uses your name. It's very simple, very mm-hmm. simple. You guys can do these things. Like right. this is not just a rod thing. Anybody can oh, do this. Heavens, yes. <laughs> yeah, and if you think about it, one of the sweetest words you ever hear is your name. Yes, that's not narcissistic at all. Well, no, it's not. It's just feeling like, okay, I am, I'm not just a hey you. Exactly. I'm a Mark or a Frank or a Stephanie or a, a Brittany or whatever, you know, that like, this is my name. This is a part of who I am. And when you call me by name, you, you reinforce my identity. You, you say that I matter to you. You say that you have remembered my name. It's one of the reasons I work really hard at remembering names and it drives me crazy mm-hmm. when I can't because I want to call people by name. And, and it's just, it's just the sweetest sound when you hear somebody, when, when my wife says, Hey, Rod, that's so much better to me than, hey, Yeah. <laughs> we've been married forever. I mean, not really. 33 years is a long time, but it's just, it's beautiful for her. I mean, there's nobody I'd rather hear say my name than my wife, but I, I do like hearing my name. I think you do too. I don't, I don't think that's narcissistic. Oh, yeah. That's just. Everybody does. Uh, it's yeah. funny. Uh, I worked in healthcare for about five years um, in a non-clinical role, but I was in the ER. Um, and I would introduce myself to people and uh, a large number of people commented on my first name. They were like, Oh, that's unusual. Or I really like your name. And this is what I would say every time. I love my name because it's where Jesus went to be refreshed. Oh, wow. His best friends lived there. And that's yeah. the kind of person I want to be. Wow. What an opportunity to, have a gospel conversation too. That's really cool. Yeah. So call people by name, even if it feels awkward and it will and call them by name, maybe even more than once when you see them. Um, it's just a really powerful way to value people and to connect with them. 
there, there's another thing I do. At least I try to, and I don't, can, I, I'm going to tell you four things. The first one is calling people by name. The second one is recognizing people. I don't mean like, oh, hey, I recognize you. Um, <laughs> but just because these four things, I, I don't do them perfectly. I promise I don't. It's, I am not a home run hitter. Uh, I hardly ever strike out, though. And I think you'll discover that if you'll always get a base hit, you don't always have to get doubles and triples and home runs. Just faithfully get a hit. You know, I mean, a major league hitter is considered incredibly successful if they get a hit one out of three times. Okay. If you get a hit three out of three times, you're going to hit – I mean, you're going to score lots of runs. It's just – it's incredible what <laughs> can happen. So I'm about to give up on the baseball analogy because I think I'll run out. But um, when I say I recognize people, I mean I celebrate accomplishments. So a young lady came to me last night. She's in middle school and made the high school dance team, and so I celebrated with her. That's a really Aww. good thing. That's really cool. But I, if, I could have said, oh, cool. But I didn't. You know, I, I celebrated that accomplishment. Or when somebody who is a part of our team um, – you know, they get married. I, I celebrate that. When when they have a birthday, I celebrate that. When they uh, get a new job, I celebrate that. When they get a promotion, I celebrate that. Just find ways to celebrate accomplishments. This is true, of course, in the ways that they're serving, too. So last night, Emma Tuggle, who was on our team, we did Travis Cottrell's chart of Amazing Grace, the third verse of which is sung by a female. And it goes um, stratospheric, like it's not just high. It's high and then goes higher than you think that you can go. And then it goes higher than that again. And Emma did that last night. And I just celebrated the daylights out of it because it was amazing. Um, by the way, I never celebrate things that aren't well done because I think that's dishonest. That's good. Yes, that's good. <laughs> but I do celebrate things that are well done. So if, there, if the drummer crushes it, I mean, if there's a drum fill that's just like, oh, my goodness, that was good. Then I will just say... Jason, way to go. Or Timmy, that was amazing. Or Webb, thank you so much. That was like, how in the world did you know that was exactly the right thing to do at that moment in the song? Not the same as on the recording. Not the same as what was in my head, but better than both. Like, mm -hmm. I will say these, those things out loud. And so I celebrate out loud and in front of the team. And that's just so helpful. It makes them feel valued. It makes them feel like it's our team. It makes them feel like they're a part of the team. I, I try to do this so often and so consistently that if somebody's keeping score, they'll give up. <laughs> oh, wait, complimented Webb twice, but he didn't compliment John once. Well, no, I'm going to compliment so many people so many times that you can't, you just throw up your hands and say, I can't keep track anymore. And, you know, for certain people, that's way more important to them than others. Yes. Like that, that's a, a very, very high value they place on, on being recognized right. for accomplishments. Yeah. Words of affirmation are yep. more the love language for some people than they are for others, but they are for everybody. Now I would also say be sensitive to your team members because some of them don't want to be recognized in public, at least not often. And yeah. so if that's not a thing for them, uh, I, one of our piano players at church is that way. I don't, often celebrate her in front of the team. I never do it in front of the church because that would embarrass her. That wouldn't celebrate mm -hmm. her. So yeah. be aware of that. But in a rehearsal, I can do that. And she's not going to be embarrassed. I mean, she might be a little bit, but it's okay. And she'll get over it. And it's actually a greater <laughs> win for her to be a little embarrassed, but be celebrated at that level. And so it also becomes really playful and, yeah. and it's just, it's fun. And that makes yeah. rehearsals fun. And people want to be a part of a team like that. And that's a win for your whole team. It's not just for that person. It's your whole team 
uh, benefits when you That's cultivate right. that kind of environment. Yeah. So worship leaders, you can do this yeah. and make, make rehearsal something that your worship team looks forward to instead of dreads. Yeah, it's a culture of celebration. Yes. And Honor. I mean, really, what you're saying is you're honoring people. Right. And Romans 12, uh, 8 says to outdo one another with honor. Um, so like have competition. I'm going to outdo you with honor. No, I'm going to outdo you with honor. No, I got this. I'm going <laughs> to honor you more than you can honor me. Yeah, right. just do that. And you will discover um, that your people will, will be grateful. Uh, so recognize people. The third thing I do is I pray for people and I pray for them by name and I pray for them in front of other people. I do this most often, not every week, but most often in kind of the pre-service huddle. I will literally go around the circle and I'll just pray for each of them by name. I'll give thanks for them in that prayer. Um, if there's a need that that person has shared, we'll pray for that need. But I don't just pray for the need. I pray for the person. Yes. Um, I, uh, probably four times this year, I will go on an all-day prayer retreat. And so I will text everybody on my team and just say, hey, I'm going to be I'm going to be praying today. I've set aside today to pray. How can I pray for you? Uh, I can't tell you what that does for the people on our team. It is, um, it creates spiritual intimacy. We've talked about that phrase in the past. I, I, I love that. Um, it makes them feel like I care about them and their needs, not just about their gift and what they can bring to the table as a part of the team. Um, it establishes not just a personal connection, but a spiritual one. And that's really important as a leader. I mean, you can lead people if you lead them as people, but you can lead pastorally if you lead them as souls. And so when I pray for people and then I, by the way, I follow up with them. So like one of the, one of these folks, uh, my last prayer retreat was about two and a half weeks ago. No, tomorrow's th Friday. So three weeks ago, um, she had surgery, minor surgery on Monday. So on Monday morning before surgery, I texted her and said, just want to let you know I'm praying for you as you're going to surgery today. That didn't take a lot of work on my part. It took some intentionality. I had to put it on my calendar when she shared that prayer request with me. That probably took 20 or 30 seconds. And then when I saw it on my calendar, then I had to reach out to her, which probably took another 60 to 90 seconds. And so it doesn't take a lot of time, but it does take a lot of thought. Like you have to think about it and plan on it and do it. And again, I don't get it right all the time, but because I get it right more than I get it wrong, it establishes that culture of spiritual intimacy and, and people want me to, I get more prayer requests now that are unsolicited because I have been soliciting ways to pray for them. And again, that just creates a bond and a strength that makes the team feel valued. And, and they're people who are walking through battles in life. I, I got one in the middle of the night a, a couple of weeks ago from somebody saying, pray for my marriage. Like mm -hmm. it was the middle of the night, obviously things weren't going well. And so the first thing I did when I saw was pray for their marriage. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and then I got I, that follow-up conversation. So yeah. thought of praying for people as washing their feet. Oh like, yeah. This is such a practical way that we can serve people. It's spiritual, but it's practical. Like those things can exist together, right? Yeah. Practical and spiritual things. And it's a way of treating people like they're humans instead of just gifts or even just needs. Like you said, you know, they're, they're a whole person and they have lives and families and situations and hardships and surgeries and things like that. Right. Prayer often doesn't feel practical. You know, making a casserole and taking it to them feels practical. But prayer is practical. It's the most practical thing we can do. And so while it doesn't feel that way, you can just, you're allowed to feel that way. 
that doesn't change the truth. The truth it is the most practical thing you can do. So feel like, oh yeah, it just doesn't feel very practical and then do it anyway. (laughs) And then know that what you've just done is the most practical thing in the world you could do. You have just asked the person who has authority over the universe to intervene in this person's life. What in the world could be more practical than that? So by all means, yeah. And I love the foot washing connection to prayer. That's beautiful. Um, I'm, I'm going to steal that and talk about that. That's awesome. Uh, so I, I call people by name. I recognize people. I pray for people. And then lastly, and I guess this is an umbrella statement. I just, I value people. I, I guess it's intuitive and I'm not sure what I do that makes people feel valued, but they tell me that they feel valued. The, the example, I asked for an example when we had this little powwow about what are the things that, that you've not experienced before serving with me that you experience now. And one of them said, I can't believe you texted me on my birthday. <laughs> uh, if you're not familiar with Bitmoji, Bitmojis are fun. They're little like caricatures of you or um, what's the word? Avatars. They're almost like avatars of you, but Bitmoji has uh, birthday greetings. And so I will, I, I've made a Bitmoji of myself and I will Bitmoji a birthday greeting. And it's different for different people. If they're huggers, there's one that says birthday hugs. So I will send them <laughs> birthday hugs, Bitmoji. Um, if they are musicians, there's one that's like me as my bitmoji playing a, a bass drum that says happy birthday. You know, I'll send that. <laughs> or if they're not, you know, if it's somebody that I don't know real well, there's one that's just like a birthday card with me peeping out saying happy birthday. It's kind of cool, laid back, not, not like a hug. Cause some people would freak out if I tried to hug them. <laughs> and, and so I'll send them that. So I try to choose a bit. I, I have 10 to choose from. Again, this is a 30 second activity. This is not something that requires you to have to set aside time to do it. You just, you know, if you use Facebook or a calendaring app or whatever, you find a way to track when somebody's birthday is, and then you send them a birthday greeting. It's the littlest thing in the world, but people feel valued because it's personalized. It's a bit emoji. So it's me sending it. It's not just words. And I'm sending it to them directly. I'm not just posting on their Facebook wall, but I'm, I text them. Uh, and so they get it directly. And if it's somebody's birthday and they're at church and it's a rehearsal night or a Sunday, we'll sing to them, you know? And and if I miss a birthday, I miss a birthday, but people know that that's not my heart because it's so normal. And they, they just know that I value them too. And so they just know that I missed it. They don't, they don't feel, I don't think, I don't think they feel slighted. Uh, And if I find out like later, there's, by the way, there's a happy belated birthday bitmoji. So So no excuses. That's right. So just find a way and and maybe that's not your way, but just find a way to value people. I, I served as a worship leader for almost a decade at a church starting when I was 19 years old and 24 years later, I still get a card from that pastor. For my birthday That's he's amazing. my spiritual father he married my husband and I and um, he still sends me a birthday card every single year and it makes me feel so incredibly valued as a yeah. person and if our listeners Incredible. could see your face when you tell that story <laughs> they would know how it makes you feel yes. and you're going to be able to put that look on the faces of your team so find Maybe. whatever it is Go ahead. It might be more accurate to say that the first three things on your list today are yeah. merely ways that you value people. Yeah. That may be a more accurate way to say it. And there are more than three. Yes. Right. The bitmojis would be maybe number four, right, right. on their birthday. But yeah. there's lots and lots and lots of ways to show people that you value them. 
There's a guy named Steve Stroop, who was pastor at Lake Point Church in Dallas, Texas. Um, Steve wrote a book called Tribal Church, which is a pretty interesting book. He has a chapter in it about how to value people. And in that chapter, he has a list of, I think there are 12 different ways that people feel valued. And so as a part of onboarding in the worship ministry at Woodburn, I give a sheet that I just, I typed up that page and I give it to everybody who's a part of our team. And I say, tell me the top two ways you feel valued. And, and there are a variety, I mean, there are, there are a bunch of them, like perks and bonuses is one. So if that is for somebody a way that they feel valued, I'm more likely to get them a $10 Starbucks card than I am somebody that says public praise. For that person, I want to recognize them when they're on the team in front of the church yes. once a year, you know, not every day, just on occasion. So you, right. <laughs> and, and my goal is with those, um, uh, yeah, profiles that Steven, Steve Stroop provided, um, my goal is once a week or so, I'm going to pull out the next one and I'm going to just do something for one person. And again, that takes some time to set up. Like that's a little bigger than, birthdays, obviously takes a little more work. It's more of a system to get in place. But if you were to do that work and you stay in the ministry leadership position you're in three years from now, the cumulative effect of that is going to be dramatic. And you're going to see a culture shift that people are starting to feel like you value them because they're a human being, not a human doing. You value who they are not just what they do. And that's going to help your team. And when your team is healthy, when your team is vibrant, when your team feels that kind of value, they're going to lead better. And that's going to matter because the better your team leads, then the more souls are singing. So it's not directly doing something in front of the congregation that gets the congregation's souls to sing. It's doing something behind the scenes that's going to create a culture so that the culture of your team is, I want to help souls sing too. So yeah. The, I mean, have you ever walked into a room and felt the tension? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the opposite is also true. Um, you can walk into a room and feel the love, feel the acceptance, feel the camaraderie, feel the collaborative spirit instead of competitive spirit in a place. That is so good and so true and so evident. And so do the things that lead to the latter, not the former. You want, yes. <laughs> you want collaboration. You want um, celebration. You want love. And, and that just feels so touchy-feely. Um, love in the Bible is not an emotion. It's a decision and action. So mm-hmm. make some decisions and do some actions and show people that you love them. Demonstrate. You know, it's what God did for us and Jesus on the cross. Do it in the way that you die to yourself and that you celebrate others and live for others. And you will find you will just find that your team, the church's team, God's team is going to do, they're just going to do so much better uh, at leading people in worship. And that's why we do this because we want to have teams that lead churches to be more real so that we can have more souls that are singing. Bethany, you have any final thought? Well, I I just have to say, I think you do all of this well as well. And that it really is something that everybody can work on. Everybody can get better at this. So maybe that should be our challenge today, to not suddenly become excellent at all of these things, but to work on it, to commit to be better. Yeah, and thank you for that encouragement and compliment. I receive it gladly and will tell you that 25 years ago, you would not have been able to say that about me, which is, again, hope. Like if, you're, if you would not say that your people, the people in your ministry are, would characterize you this way, then 
it's possible. You can get there. And it doesn't need to take 25 years. I think I started this way at Woodburn. I'm better at it now because I'm in a, in a healthy church and I'm in a healthy place. But I started this way and it made the start better. So yeah, start today, do something and, and help your people feel the value that God places on them. You place on them too. So every soul sings. Thanks for joining us. Remember, rate, review, like, share, help us spread the word, build a tribe. We want soul singers in churches everywhere, not just in South Central Kentucky, not just in the United States, but around the world. So help us. It's amazing what uh, what God can do with this technology. Thanks for listening. We love you guys.